0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning on this Friday, the 30th of December. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is a special edition Christmas week best of show. So we have recorded this on a prior occasion. Um, Greetings to you during this Christmas season. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Has the light dawned? on your life, in the darkness of your experience, on the land in which you're living? Does it feel like a land of deep darkness today? Do you know people who are walking in darkness who could use a great light? Well, the light has come and his name is Jesus. Here's a word of hope today. Light overcomes darkness. The light has shined and the darkness will never overcome it again. From beginning to end, light overcomes darkness. I mean, darkness is this state of reality without God or this state of reality without the applied work of God. Darkness is the absence of light. It's void. It's cold. It's empty. It's lost. And into that reality, God shines. In fact, God comes as the very light of the world to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. His name is Jesus. When the light of Christ shines at the beginning of creation, all things that are come into being. You can read about that in Colossians chapter 1. And then here when the prophet Isaiah is talking about the arrival of the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, he describes this one as light. The light of this one that will shine from Israel to all others around the world, to everyone who walks in darkness and needs a light of life. Well, that's Jesus. Jesus is the light, born to be the very light of the world. So today, um, take a deep breath and invite the one who is the light of the world to transform, to transform whatever present darkness you find yourself in. Whatever darkness that is, depression, loneliness, fatigue, need, desolation, hopelessness, Hmm. let Christ shine there be the person who sees the great light even as you walk in the darkness of these days if you feel like you're living in a land of deep darkness you're not alone God's people have been there before and guess what God turns on the light cling to the truth this day that light overcomes darkness and his name is Jesus you're listening to mornings with Carmen I'm Carmen LaBurge and this is faith radio Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. Returning to our conversation about unwrapping the gifts that come with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, how are you receiving Christ as you believe in Him? And then, how is God filling you with the power of His Holy Spirit? And then, what does that look like when the Spirit manifests His presence? Um, part of that manifestation of the Spirit in the life of the believer is the reality of spiritual gifts and each and every. Believer is gifted by the Spirit for the building up of the body of christ romans twelve four to six says, "For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them, so we're going to talk um continue the conversation about spiritual gifting, spiritual giftedness, um, our particular spiritual gifts. And then I also want us to consider our gift mix, because it's not as if, um, you know, an individual believer only possesses, you know, one spiritual gift. We tend to have a mix of gifts, a blend of gifts. Some of those you might consider natural abilities. Others you might consider things that you're particularly passionate about. And then there are these genuinely supernatural abilities that God gives us to advance his kingdom purposes, oftentimes in ways that are, wow, completely surprising um, to us in terms of um, the way that we operate in them. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your passion. I want you to think about the gifts that God has given you to advance his kingdom purposes and that you're made uniquely on purpose and for a purpose. I mean, when we talk about the coming of Christ, we talk about Emmanuel, God literally enfleshed to dwell among us, and we focus on um, the the birth of John the Baptist as the forerunner to Christ, and we think about his conception and, and his birth and all of the miraculous things surrounding that, and that he was still, you know, in the womb when he leapt at the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary when she walked into Elizabeth's home. Um, so when we talk about when, when God entails a person, um, when God conceives of a person, we're talking about something that takes place long before um, what you and I would consider a birthday. But it is dependent on having a rebirth day, and so I don't want us to lose sight of that either. Like there is a, um, a truth that it is spiritual gifting that comes by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes upon us when we indeed receive Jesus. So we, um, we have talked about a number of different spiritual gifts I- during this week, and today um, we're going to round out that list. And so today we're going to talk about um, prophetic ministry, and we're also going to talk about serving, teaching, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, the working of miracles, and then the reality that there are other gifts as well. So um, so let's jump in. We talk about prophetic ministry. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about the ability to foretell, to show or to make known, to illuminate something else. It's a supernatural ability given by God to reveal and proclaim truth in a relevant manner for the purpose of strengthening, encouraging and comforting. Now, that might sound um, different than what you thought I was going to say when I said prophetic ministry, because you might have been thinking, about the gift of prophecy, um, prophecy is different than ministering in what we would call um, a prophetic way. The role of a prophet being the very mouthpiece of God, you know Jesus really finalizes that work. Um, Jesus reveals all that we need to know, all that's necessary for salvation and so when we talk about the spirit being manifest in the life of a believer to carry out a prophetic ministry. We're not talking about the kind of prophecy that we experience in the Old Testament or even that we experience through the person of Jesus. We're talking about um, this aim of strengthening, encouraging, and comforting by inspiring others with a word of truth. So uh, a person who possesses this prophetic ministry as a gift is able to quickly discern uh, the character and the motives and the attitudes of people or a group. It's a, there's a spiritual sensitivity to this, uh, and then there is the ability to um, hear and understand what God is saying and bring that to bear um, on the realities in which we live. And so you might um, you might think of uh, the the prophets of old um, as you consider this particular spiritual gift, but you might um, also consider how Jesus is calling us to prophetic ministry in terms of speaking a word of truth in this generation in a particularly prophetic way. So when we come back, we're going to continue talking about the gifts of the Spirit and unwrapping them in our lives during this Christmas season. Have you received the gift that God sends in the person of Christ? Do you believe in his name? If so, then the Holy Spirit has also come upon you and has delivered the gifts of the Spirit into your life. Let's unwrap those together. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks a lot. Give me faith alive, Daniel, and the lion's day. rounding out our uh, our conversation today about the spiritual gifts that arrive in the lives of believers with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit comes upon those who believe in the name of Jesus and receive him as Savior and Lord. And so, uh, so let's talk about the gift of serving, the gift of serving. This is um, literally what it sounds like, right? This is uh, not just the Core identity of every single Christian um, called to serve others, but this is the particular and even peculiar ability that God gives to some to, de- to demonstrate love and support by seeing and meeting the practical needs of others. So if you are a person who is motivated to meet practical needs and to do so as quickly as possible, um, if if those if the needs of others the practical needs of others are really the driving force even the determining vo- the d- determining force in terms of um your giving and the choices that you make in terms of the way that you serve in the body of Christ then my guess is you have the um the particular spiritual gift of serving people who have this gift demonstrate a great energy and strength for work they um they get very determined to finish the task in front of them um, you might think of them as the worker bees of the body of Christ. They desire to serve without a lot of fanfare. Um, and when we appreciate them and affirm them, um, that's important. But actually, they would keep doing it even if we failed to um, to show our appreciation. But let's do so. Let's be very mindful that people who have the spiritual gift of service are doing things in the body of Christ that often go unnoticed, unseen, and unacclaimed. So during this season, let's be sure and affirm the people who not only decorated the church with the hanging of the greens, but the people who this week are de-decorating it and cleaning up after us. Um, Let's not just celebrate the person who showed up with all the glitter and surprise to make the Christmas ornaments. Let's celebrate the person who showed up afterwards and cleaned up all the glitter. Right So um, the acts of service people uh, come to mind here. people literally waiting on tables comes to mind as well. How about the gift of teaching? The gift of teaching, spiritual gift of teaching is probably one of the more celebrated gifts in terms of the active life of the body of Christ today. Um, it is the supernatural ability given by God to teach God's truth in such a way that others are enabled to understand and apply those teachings to life. And so, again, it's incumbent upon each and every believer as a part of the Great Commission, as recipients of the Great Commission, as people who are engaged in the Great Commission, that we would, what? Teach others to obey everything that Christ has taught us, everything that he has said. And so teaching is a responsibility of each and every Christian. Um, We are the pattern of discipleship for everyone else. So by looking at our lives, by following us around, We ought to be teaching others. But the spiritual gift of teaching is a specific um, supernatural ability that actually helps people understand God's Word um, and apply it to their lives. And so there are those who are possessed of this particular gift as well. How about the gift of tongues? This might be one of the more controversial of the spiritual gifts. There are some who would argue that this gift was only given... Um, at a particular time and place and for a particular season, others who experience the gift of tongues today. Tongues is simply a language, and there are those who have the supernatural ability given by God to utter divinely inspired words in a language that they never learned. So there's a difference between tongues that might accompany the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, that are used as like prayer language, and the gift of tongues for public and corporate use um, which also then require the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And God would give those as complementary gifts in the same context in order that um, there not be confusion in the life of the church. And so you would want to read 1 Corinthians 14 to better understand this entire conversation about the gifts of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and the necessity of those two gifts to, um, to arrive uh, as a complement to one another in the body of believers where they are expressed. Again, always given for the upbuilding of the body, never given um, for, you know, the advancement of one particular individual or ideas that are in any way misaligned with what God has said in his revealed words of Scripture in the Old and New Testaments. Then that brings us to the spiritual gift of the word of knowledge. Its core meaning is knowing, knowing and then telling others what we know. It's a supernatural ability um, to receive impressions of knowledge like, right, that might otherwise not be known um, and then apply that knowledge to a person or a situation for God's good purposes. So you say to yourself, well, that's a little bit confusing. What does what does this mean? How does this differ from discernment? Well, uh, this is this is at some level discernment. It's also um, putting what you discern into understandable, comprehensible speech that others might know. Uh, It's one thing to know Christ. It's another thing to make him known. So what does a word of knowledge look like uh, in the life of a believer? This is a spiritually sensitive person in terms of how um, the word of knowledge should be shared, in what context, with how many people. All of those things are important as well. Um, So this is a person who is going to need a discerning spirit um, uh, in addition to having the gift of the word of knowledge. This is a person who recognizes in a certain situation that the Holy Spirit wants to do something like uh, this is the person who says, you know, I, I have this sense that the spirit wants to bring reconciliation in this relationship. I have a sense that the Holy Spirit wants to um, advance God's kingdom purposes right now in this particular way. And the, that's not a person who's saying it out of their own motivation, but out of a genuine sense that the Holy Spirit has led them to this particular knowledge in a moment. Um, and so it, it, it's designed to release the activity of God into the life of an individual or a relationship or a situation. Um, and it's given in order that it might be shared. And so if you're a person who is possessed of this particular spiritual gift, you need to share it with us. That we might know what you know, that we might know what you know, and then there is the word of wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge, and wisdom is different than um, general information and so the person who has a word of wisdom has received that from God it's a um uh and and is able to apply it right for God's purpose. This is a person again sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting, recognizing insights from God and then able to grasp intuitively what is happening um, and bring the wisdom of God to bear in a particular circumstance. So if you think about Solomon and the question about, you know, whose baby is this? And he brings this word of wisdom. Well, let's just uh, cut the baby in half and, and give half of it to each person. Now, that's a word of wisdom because it's spoken in a way uh, to reveal the truth. Because the the real mother is going to say, no, 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 don't don't cut the baby in half. Just let her have it. Um, because her concern is more for the baby than for uh, the self-satisfaction um, uh, in her own life. And so um, having the word of wisdom, being able to speak a word of wisdom is a powerful, powerful spiritual tool and certainly must be used with um, with discernment as well. The working of miracles is the last uh, gift on the list that we're going to talk about here in this conversation. But there are other gifts. There are other gifts. First um, Corinthians 13 follows Paul's comments and instructions on spiritual gifts, um, in, in first Corinthians 12. And when you talk about love, um, you're talking about the reality of what happens in the life of a believer when the spirit arrives. Um, there are lots of uh, spiritual gifts that folks might have in the body of Christ. Um, the gift of celibacy, the gift of being a missionary, the gift of, um, I don't know, the interpretation of dreams like there, there might be spiritual gifts that aren't on this list that are certainly spiritual. And God gives uh, in order that his will might be accomplished at a particular time and place through a particular person, through the uh, particular expression of the spirit. So this is not an exhaustive list, but hopefully it's illustrative. All right. The working of miracles here. We're talking about a supernatural ability given by God to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. Does it still happen today? Yes. In fact, it does. You might have to look internationally um, for expressions of this, but there are lots and lots of stories of miraculous healings right here um, in our own community. Um, and so give God his due. When God works a miracle, give God his due. Give him all the glory and praise due his name. Um, and if you need some uh, some exposure to what miracles look like, you could look at the signs of Jesus in the Gospel of John. You could look at those things that are expressed as miracles um, throughout the Gospels and in the days of the apostles, the acts of the Holy Spirit recorded in the book of Acts. All right, that's all we've got time for today. When you think about discovering your spiritual gifts, um, there are lots of online tools to do that. Your local church probably has a methodology for helping you discover your spiritual gifts. And then you want to use those, collaboratively with others in the body of Christ. And it, it is fair to say that depending on your season of life, uh, depending on the opportunities that God has for you um, right now, um, obedience is a huge part of this availability, living in balance. Like those are all things I think to consider when we're talking about the use and expression of our spiritual gifts in our common life together as the body of believers in the world today. I have spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts. God needs all of us to bring those forward and use them in an active way, collaboratively, to build up the body of Christ in this generation, that God's kingdom purposes might be advanced right here and right now. Text me um, your spiritual gift, your spiritual gift mix, or a spiritual gift inventory that you really like. You can send it to me. Uh, via text 877-933-2484 or you can always email me carmen at myfaithradio.com we'll be right back there's a song that i love um, lord prepare me to be a sanctuary what does that sound like and what might that look like in our lives together How might this next year be devoted to allowing my life to become more and more of a sanctuary for the Lord, my God? We're going to talk with Denise Hughes. This is a conversation that we had a a little while back, Um, but her book is Sanctuary, Cultivating a Quiet Heart in a Noisy and Demanding World. It's a 31-day devotional that helps us find true peace in Christ among the busyness, noise, and pressures of life. I don't know about you, but I could really use that. What would it look like for the Lord to prepare you to be a sanctuary in the year ahead? How are you going to quiet yourself and find the space and the time to really just enjoy God and allow Jesus to not only take up residence within you, but to begin to be the real Prince of Peace in your life? How quiet is it at your house today or in this particular season? Uh, I know that in the new year, we're all going to be ready for some quiet time. So how are we going to cultivate a quiet heart in a noisy and demanding world? Sanctuary is the book. Denise Hughes is here to share it with us. Denise, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Good morning. It's so nice to be here with you.
0: It's wonderful to have you. So a 31-day devotional seems really super fitting for uh, January of 2023, which is why I wanted to talk to you now, um, so that we can, you know, get prepared to spend some intentional time with the Lord every day. Um, Talk with us about the importance of, of that, the importance of not only a quiet time, but a quiet life before the Lord.
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. Well, I wrote this book because it was really my prayer. My prayer was, Lord, I need sanctuary from all the noise around us in the world. And of course, we have a lot of online noise, but it's really also there's noise in our hearts too. And just to settle our hearts and to quiet ourselves before the Lord and to have that time and living a quiet life doesn't mean taking a vow of silence or anything like that. It's really about a heart posture before the Lord. So my prayer became, Lord, I need sanctuary. And that's really where this began.
0: Um, So talk with us about maybe some of the ways we are distracted from a quiet life and and intentional sanctuary time with the Lord. Like I have got to shut other things off and shut other things down if I am going to intentionally be quiet before the Lord.
1: Oh, absolutely. We are in a culture right now that is always on.
0: Mm. We
1: are on, the world is on, everything's on. I mean, I can remember as a kid, we only had cartoons on Saturday mornings, but now everything is 24-7. You can always tap into something happening everywhere. And so to intentionally turn off the noise around us is so important. And really, a quiet life begins with a quiet heart. It begins with trusting that God is good, even if the circumstances around us might not be at that time. It also requires having an eternal perspective, knowing that whatever may be going on, right now whatever we may be going through it is temporary and i think the noise of the world likes to uh, amplify things that are happening right now in this moment and there's such a sense of urgency that creates a sense of emergency within us and that elevates the noise but scripture reminds us that pain has an expiration date and this is the crux of the hope we have because of christ
0: i love you pointing there to not only the need to quiet our hearts, quiet the environment that we're in, like intentionally turn off the noise around us, settle ourselves before the Lord, and then recenter ourselves with that eternal perspective. What came to mind as you were saying that is, you know, there are times that we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We think of ourselves more often than we ought. We think of the times in which we live. We focus on those and we become very, very, Uh, distracted by the things of the world, failing to elevate our thoughts, our minds, our eyes to the things which are above. So I think that's uh, what you are intentionally doing here. The book Sanctuary. Again, we're talking with Denise Hughes. The book is Sanctuary. You know, I mean, I just think we should just acknowledge there is a very real temptation. Some of it is the fear of missing out. Some of it is the fear of being perceived by others as not up to speed on everything So how do I deal with the temptations to listen to all the noise around me in my home, in my culture, even in my church community and say, you know what, I'm going to say no to many of those things in order that I can say yes to some intentional sanctuary time with the Lord?
1: Absolutely. I think it's important to recognize uh, kind of the source of where those temptations are coming from. And if we were to do just kind of a quick survey of the evolution of the screen over the last 100 years in the mm. early 1900s, the movie screen, you had to leave your house, go to the theater and watch the Hollywood movie actors on the big screen so in the early 1900s it was the big screen then you know middle 1900s now pretty much everyone has a television set in their living room so now we have the small screen and you no longer have to leave your house to go sit in front of a screen now it's in your living room but it was still contained to the living room and we were watching actors from Hollywood still Now we have the micro screen and it's in everybody's back pockets. And in addition to the extreme portable nature of these micro screens is also who is on those micro screens. Now it's us. Now we have become the main character in what has become the reality show of our lives. And so much of the noise that uh, we're drawn into is because there's this very real temptation to see ourselves on that screen through selfies through all those kinds of things and and it's not that any one of those is inherently wrong and by by themselves it's more that the culture is really telling us to focus more on ourselves. And we never find peace when the focus is on ourselves. We find peace when our focus is on Christ. And when we are, uh, because of what he's done for us, we are now sharing his grace with others and serving others. So I think this evolution from the big screen to the small screen, to the micro screen, and the way that we are now the main characters, I think that has a lot to do with the temptation and the noise we're hearing in our culture that's distracting us from what Scripture calls us to do, and that is to focus on Christ first, to love God and to love others
0: mm. denise when you when you just think about you know the demands of your own life, they are many i mean you're a you're a professional person, you are engaged in the first five daily Bible study app with proverbs thirty one ministries you are a writer, you're a wife, you're a mom you, you know, you're an author, you're an editor, you're a busy person. My guess is you are also engaged in the life of a local church. Um, Maybe you also have um, extended family and certainly friends. How important is it to you? And then how do you carve out dedicated time one-on-one with just you and the Lord? Really? Can't, can't fathom
1: going through the day any other way without that quiet time because without that time completely intentionally set aside to quiet my heart before the lord and to spend that one-on-one time with him i notice the effects when i don't when Mm -hmm. i don't spend that time that's when i start to feel stressed out overwhelmed, anxious. And then it just sort of cascades from there. So it's because I recognize what happens internally within me when I don't spend that time that I recognize how important it is that I set that time aside because it really does change us because the spirit is real living inside us. And when we spend that time with him, we really are changed. So it's really what happens when I don't spend that time that I'm reminded why it's, so important that I do.
0: <laughs> you're making me you're making me think that there are times that um, you know, I might just invite my family to consider that. I might just say, you know, I I am a better I am a better version of myself when I get to have my quiet time with the Lord, and I recognize that there are a lot of things that you guys need and you feel like you need them right now and you feel like you need them from me, but trust me when I tell you, you're, you're going to be better served and you're certainly going to be happier to be with the version of me after I go get some time with Jesus. It's I feel absolutely like, true. Right? Like if we frame it that way, if we remind yes. them that they really don't like the person that shows up with that, you know, <laughs> that didn't get her time with Jesus. Like, you don't like that version of me. I mean, and, and if you asked my family members, they'd be like, oh yeah, we know exactly who you're talking about. And yeah, we don't like her. Um, And and I don't like me either. when I'm No, totally.
1: Right? Right. Totally.
0: No, that's exactly right. No, I, yeah, no, that is exactly right. Oh, I really appreciate that, Denise. Let's, um, let's talk about peace. Let's talk about the peace, which passes all understanding. And let's talk about the temptation to look for peace apart from Christ.
1: Hmm. That's what the world tells us to do. The world tells us to look inside ourselves to find who we are, to find uh the the true our, our own personal truth, but we never find peace by looking inside ourselves or trying to find the real us. We find peace by looking to the one who made us, who knows us better than we know ourselves. That's where we find peace. But again, the world is constantly going to be pushing us to focus more and more on ourselves. But it's when we lay down that temptation. I mean, even when you think about the sanctuary, the tabernacle in the Old Testament, uh, Moses invited the women, the Hebrew women, to donate their polished, bronze mirrors because they didn't have glass mirrors like we do today. They had polished bronze mirrors, which was probably one of their highly prized possessions from the Egyptians when they left Egypt and walked through the Red Sea. Moses invited them and they turned those in and Moses melted down those bronze mirrors. And then he created really a very large bronze wash basin. And that is a picture of Christ because the priests would then have to wash their hands in that bronze wash basin before entering into the tabernacle to experience that peace of being in Christ's presence. And just the idea of surrendering that means of reflection on ourselves so now we go to christ and he he is the one who cleanses us and our we're looking on his face rather than on ours it's such a beautiful picture in the old testament that's then foreshadowing of course when christ comes and cleanses us uh with you know shedding his blood on the cross
0: So we have a text line here on the show, Denise, and lots of folks are texting in right now in relationship to our conversation. Just a reminder, if you want to join the conversation, you can do so as well by texting us at 877-933-2484. Mary says, good morning. I love the word sanctuary. God has already given it to me as my word for 2023. So, right. So um, do you, are you a word of the year person? Do you, do you do that? Is that something that's I, I a part have, of your practice? Yes,
1: I have in the past. Yes.
0: So my my word for 2022 was purge, and mm. I have a I have a lot of work yet to do on that topic before the end of the year. <laughs> As I look That's around, as I look around at all the things in my life that still need to be purged, but um, sanctuary is on my list of words that I'm going to prayerfully consider for 2023. So I um, I'm, I'm reveling in this conversation today. We're going to continue our conversation with Denise Hughes in just a moment. The book is Sanctuary, cultivating a quiet heart in a noisy and demanding world. When we come back, I'm going to ask Denise to share with us some diagnostic questions that we can ask ourselves. To discover if our hearts are disordered, and maybe that might be why we are not experiencing peace. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Sign up for the free Bible in a Year reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com and get everything you need to follow the plan each day and stay on track, including a printed schedule. Sign up now at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking today with Denise Hughes. She has many things, um, including a mom and a wife and a Christian sister. She's also an author. The book is Sanctuary, Cultivating a Quiet Heart in a Noisy and Demanding World. Um, you can connect with Denise at denisejhughes.com, also on Facebook and Twitter. You can find her on all of her socials from her website. Denise, let's talk about a disordered heart. And how we can diagnose it, so what are some diagnostic questions we could ask ourselves to discover if our hearts are disordered?
1: Well, I really started studying that verse in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse eleven, where Paul tells believers to seek to lead a quiet life, that's the CSB version. The NIV version says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And so I started really examining that word ambition. Now, there can be unholy ambition in our hearts, and there can also be holy ambition. And and Paul acknowledges both kinds of ambition in different places in Scripture. So if we're going to do a heart x-ray, and examine uh what are the ambitions lurking in my heart and that could possibly be preventing me from leading a quiet life and experiencing the peace that we find in christ uh here's one diagnostic question the first is do you have relationships with those who cannot benefit you professionally or personally i think that's a great question because If the ambition of our hearts is leading us to climb the professional ladder, or if that's really what we're seeking to do, then we're going to tend to see people as resources and opportunities rather than people made in the image of Christ who maybe they need something from us rather than us always seeking to try to get something from others. So one question, do you have relationships with those who cannot benefit you professionally or personally? Do you have people in your life who you just love simply for who they are, not for something they can do for you? That's that's a good indicator of where our heart is at when we have those kinds of relationships, when we can enjoy people simply for who they are. A second question is, do your ambitions take you away from family to an inordinate degree? Now, we'll all have those seasons when we're just a little extra busy in this particular season. So that's understandable. But... When that season stretches on and it just really becomes a way of life and we are not spending time with the Lord or even time with our family like we want to, then that's an indicator, that's a red flag that something is amiss in our hearts and our ambitions are probably leading us in the wrong direction. A third question would be to ask yourself, will you be okay with God? If your dreams don't come to fruition in this lifetime. Now it's okay to, to dream and, and to pursue our dreams and to pursue those things we feel God has put on our hearts. But what if those, those deepest dreams in our hearts, what if they don't come to fruition in this lifetime? Will we still be okay with God if they don't? Because sometimes whether we intentionally mean to or not, sometimes we can kind of come to God, like he's a genie in the bottle and we expect he's going to bless our dreams and he's going to make things come to happen in the way we want them to. And so one of those questions is, God, if this thing I've been praying for and dreaming about for so long, if it never happens in this lifetime, I'm still going to be okay because what I really want is you, Lord, not this other thing. So that's a third diagnostic question. A fourth diagnostic question would be, how well are you observing the Sabbath? Now, obviously that's one of the Ten Commandments, but it is such a good indicator that if I can't get everything done in six days a week and spend one day a week observing the Sabbath, resting the way God has commanded us to, and and that is an indicator that something is amiss, that we're not trusting God to provide for us, that we're trying to look to ourselves for self-sufficiency to provide for ourselves when we are working and busy seven days a week. So I think that's a fourth diagnostic question. How well are you observing the Sabbath?
0: Yeah, that's so good. I also think that that complementing the asking of the question with the theological examination, like, right, so there's, if I'm not observing the Sabbath, if I'm not resting the way God commands, what does that say about my real operating theology? Like, I'm, I mean, you use the word trust or trusting God, um, mm-hmm. trusting God to provide, trusting God to treat me as he has promised as his child. Those are good penetrating questions. Um, I think the one about how am I going to respond if God does not give me my dreams? Like, right, if, God, if God's not dreaming the same dreams I'm dreaming about my life um, or for mm-hmm. my children or um, or for my country, like, right, whatever. I mean, nations yes. rise and fall. And people die um, and make terrible decisions and wander off. And it's possible that God is not going to answer a particular prayer in this lifetime in the way we have asked. And part of that is we can't see all that God sees, not only about our own lives, but about everything else he's doing in the redemptive arc of history. So some of this is humility. There's There's a trust conversation to be had. There's a humility conversation to be had. Yeah. And there is a right ordering of life. And that, I think, gets back to some of those initial questions that you asked. If um if I'm looking at that very first question that you teed up for us, do I have relationships with those who cannot benefit uh, me personally or professionally? You know, I just confess the first people who come to mind are little children in my life. Right. Who mm-hmm. um who I love just because they are and in some cases have some very special needs and they are not going to produce in the life of our culture that which is expected of active citizens. And mm. so I have, you know, in very close proximity in my own life, in my home and in my extended family, people who are going to need to be loved by others just for who they are, yes. because they are not exactly. going to be people who are ever going to be resources. Um, uh, they're not going to be. Yeah, they're not going to catapult people further. I mean, they are going to be people who have needs their whole lives for others to show them mercy and grace. And so, um, this proximity, this nearness that we have to people who cannot do everything for themselves that we expect people, um, you know, in a, in a culture of independence like the one in which we live. Um, I I think that's a really good one. And you could look at both ends of the age spectrum. Um, you know, do, do I have older people in my life? Do I have intentional relationships with elderly people? Um, and maybe the widows and orphans are the ones who just most easily come to mind here. Do I have relationships with widows and orphans? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you just need a category to think about, it's so helpful. I just love it. Uh, let's do one more, um, one more thing before you go. Um, and that is just to say, um, give us maybe one Bible passage that you would rec- recommend we memorize on this subject. My
1: favorite verse is Psalm 107 verse 20, where he said, the psalmist said, he sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from their traps. The word heals. It heals our Uh hearts. And when we are living in such a loud culture that is really screaming messages at us that are very counter to scripture It's so important that we are anchored in the word. And then we know it's a promise in scripture. He is healing our hearts and our spirits when we are yielding to the authority of scripture. I I like the metaphor of when my tires on my car are out of alignment and they're, you know, Mm. when the car is kind of veering to one side because there's a misalignment in the tires. I like to think of reading scripture as I'm just get, I'm realigning my heart with God right now. And so that Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent his word and healed them. The word heals because the word is truth. And I'm an English teacher. I teach books for a living I teach classic literature. I love uh, how life and literature connects in books, but there's only one book with living words and it's the active word of God. So that is my favorite verse.
0: It's so wonderful. You guys can connect directly with Denise at her website, denisejhughes.com. I'll put all the links in the show notes for today. The book is Sanctuary, Cultivating a Quiet Heart in a Noisy and Demanding World. Denise, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. We'll be right back. All right, well, what does it mean again to be a sanctuary unto the Lord? What does it look like for the Lord to prepare you and me to be a sanctuary today? Um, Also, just right now at this close of the year, I wanna say thank you. You Thanks for a great year together. And maybe encourage you to make your list of your favorite things from 2022. Favorite places you've been or favorite books you've read, favorite conversations you've had or overheard, Witness events you've witnessed or milestones you've crossed, people you've met, changes you've made, things you've learned, habits you've formed, patterns, you, patterns you've broken, challenges you've overcome, battles you've fought. I don't know. What's on your list of favorite things from 2022? Well, let me say this, you're on my list and I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time with you in the new year. So stay tuned for the final hour of Mornings with Carmen in 2022.